When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Red Men TV Originals podcast. I'm Chris Pajak, joined today by Josh Williams, by Chloe Bloxham, and by Dan Club for this one. First off, we will be looking back at the 2-0 victory over Arsenal in the FA Cup and then we'll be looking forwards to a Carabao Cup semi-final that is looming large on the horizon for Liverpool Football Club at the minute. Uh, but I'm joined by three legends in the studio today and those legends get to discuss a win against one of the best sides in the league or we've also we've been told. Um, and th- yeah, Josh, I'm going to come to you first, mate, because before the game, it was a tough cup draw you know it was Arsenal it was away they've beaten us three times on the bounce in the FA Cup not an easy place to go to a wounded beast one might even say in Arsenal who hadn't won in a couple of games only one win and six heading into the game and yet Liverpool dealt with that wounded beast pushed them to one side knocked them out of the FA Cup and walked away the victors yeah, I think it played out like that as well. I think it played out like a tough game. It was it was difficult first half, especially proper game into half. I felt um, bit of a cliche line, but I think the first half they could have been out of sight if they if they had any kind of clinical edge attached to them, which they just don't. I think that that narrative now is just going to run wild for them. Mm. That's one of the worst narratives as well that can that can be attached to a team. You know, you you can't score. It's just a nightmare. Why do you say that? Just because I think it's I think that's one of the narratives that. If it gets a lot of steam in the, in the media and that, it can actually get in the players' heads that like we actually can't finish, and then you start like really overthinking it when it comes to them chances. When in reality, you just need to keep doing exactly the same thing, and the ball will just go in eventually. Um, but yeah, I thought it was first half. It was just like it's borderline funny watching them trying to finish chances because with it being the FA Cup, I felt a bit more like. <sighs> I was a bit more relaxed if we lost, do you know what I mean? It was one of them. Uh, I wouldn't have felt like that in the league, so just seeing them create these chances and not put them away, it, as I said, it was just borderline funny, but second half, as you say, we come into it, put the game to bed and, and showed them how to finish, basically. Absolutely. Chloe, uh, first thoughts on that then. Obviously, you're heading into the game and you've got injuries to Dom Sober, slight hamstring injury, not being able to take part. You've got the international competitions, which means Enzo and, and Mo Salah aren't able to start. Uh, Virgil van Dijk is sick. And I think we're all a little bit, well, and I, I won't speak for you, I'll speak for myself. I always fear the worst um, when it comes to these types of games and stuff. So you sort of make peace with, well, if we go out, it's not a bad thing. 
Liverpool kind of didn't play like that though, did they, Chloe? No, I said before the game, I messaged Dan and I was like, what are you thinking here? And from what I had said to him, he went, you fancy us, don't you? And I went, yeah, I do. Um, and I don't know what it is. I think it might have been the atmosphere around Arsenal at the moment. It just seems, I mean, I've been all over Twitter um, and some of the comments on like the highlights of the YouTube and they're all like, oh, tetter out and things. And I'm like, what's up with that fan base? Like, it's up in flames. Like, that's what I was seeing anyway. Are they really? I, like, some of the people on YouTube... Uh, reaction me, aren't they? We said this. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, I'm not Arsenal fans. No, you wouldn't have <laughs> thought it, would They can be, you know, honestly. No, 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 they're Arsenal fans. They're so level-headed normally, Chloe. Yeah. I know. I was, I was really shocked <laughs> when it happened. Um, but that's what's been going on over there. Um, and for some reason, I just fancied us before the game. That was when I thought Virgil van Dijk was still available. Uh, and then when the lineups came out, I, I didn't mind it. I thought they had a stronger side uh, on, on paper. But I thought Football's Liverpool... Not played on paper, Chloe Blackson. We We're just running through cliches here. Mm. Um, but... <laughs> Once the game kicked off <laughs> and I started watching them, they had chance after chance after chance and I, I don't know what was going on. He's a guard at the bar. I think at least Nelson had gone round Ali and then all he had to do was put it on target and he hit the side net and instead it felt like the ball kept landing in our box in dangerous positions and they were always on the end of it but he just didn't have a finish. Um, and fair play to Ali, he didn't have loads to do. He had that lovely save from Odegaard, I think it was. Um but everything he did, he de- he dealt with it. Um, and in the second half, Liverpool improved so much better. The it wasn't a game where it was just one ball through the midfield like it was in the first half. Um, and we learned how to attack, how to get ourselves up the pitch, how to hold the ball up. And Diogo Jota, by the way, when he came on, my word, what a footballer he is! Um, and thank God we have him whilst uh, Mo Salah's uh, off in in the Afcon. Absolutely. Uh, before we get on to Dan, I want your thoughts on it, of course, but I mm. just need to know what the away end was like. Ridiculous. Outrageous. It was unbelievable. It was just bouncing. Um, Thanks to Martin Odegaard yeah, as well, in, in no small part. Yeah, um, Martin Odegaard decided to give all of our fans <laughs> who were already bouncing a little bit of, go on, get you up should a bit have known that that was our end because it was full. Yeah. Right. And also bouncing because the rest of the ground was we had one course of Arsenal at the start and I never heard a peep out of them after that um, and yeah our, our end was unbelievable song after song after song and it was it's mad because it's the third round of the FA Cup but it felt like the league because of the way our end was reacting to the goals um, and it was just like a wave when we scored it was a wave of people bouncing jumping on everyone else um, yeah it was it was unbelievable Dan obviously she, we, we watched it here we were doing the watch along and the shows and stuff afterwards and all that like. but I think you know what we all sort of thought before the game and how would you have dealt with Liverpool losing if they were to do that I think like everybody really it would have been a, a blow and I would have been disappointed but ultimately I would have been able to make peace with it pretty quickly it's not one of those sort of you dwell on for two or three days to come I think if it had been the league that would have been the case that really does it stings you moving forward doesn't it but you can put the FA Cup sort of in a box into one side and say it is what it is this season you know, we've, with the Carabao there. we've got the Carabao of course to fall back on but essentially I mean I wouldn't have thought I'd be saying this at the start of the season but we've got bigger fish to fry ultimately Liverpool this season and that's massive Like, and as it turns out of course we're going for all four still 
still, which is even better. But yeah, I think in terms of how the game played out, like Liverpool started the game like a side that was missing Virgil van Dijk. I think for the first 15 minutes or so, Arsenal were all over us. We were architects of our own downfall once or twice, whereby we kept losing the ball in dangerous areas. Joe Gomez was guilty of that, of course. But I think through their profligacy and through our last dish defending and Alison Becker being Alison Becker, we were able to sort of stay on terms. But yeah, I think the way we responded, the mentality that we showed to sort of fight through that, and that goes for all of them because Joe Gomez, we spoke about it last night, when he's had starts to games like that recently, he's wilted essentially, but he was able to sort of brush it off and go again and produce another good performance. So I think to a man last night, Liverpool were exceptional and we deserve a lot of credit because I've seen a lot of people saying this. I mean, amongst the fan base and myself included, I could have taken or left the FA Cup, really, essentially, but they clearly went there wanting to win and Jurgen Klopp wanted to win it just so happens that we keep going into these games with Premier League opponents away from home and it makes it more difficult because he's still got to make his changes but he's put a side out there that clearly had a plan and I think we also need to pay a lot of credit to Jurgen Klopp for what he did at half time as well because that changed the game yeah we'll be talking about that later on in the show of course but uh, Josh you mentioned you know first half it was a game of two hours first half it was very difficult Jurgen um, said something that's very similar to what Dan's just said there and he said staying in a game that looked in the first half like that then growing into a game it is a pretty special thing to do now so park those comments think about the first half you've gone on record a few times now and talked about Arsenal and their defence and how good they are and I think you can see that they are very difficult to break down and that sort of comes from the press from Arsenal doesn't it Liverpool really struggled to get the ball out from the back through the thirds yeah I think we played into their biggest strength to be honest their biggest strength is that initial press they're really hard to pass through I remember touching on that on the deep dive but and, and we, we we played every single ball from the goalkeeper on the floor I tweeted in the first half that I thought we were missing Van Dijk just for that kind of diagonal over the block in the direction of Salah who obviously weren't there either um, I thought we were missing that dynamic and in the second half that was one thing that we definitely changed I've seen Alisson's pass map actually in the first half compared to the second and he, he goes he goes along virtually every single time in the second just over Arsenal's press we didn't really have the the skills to break break through and basically you know with the ball on the floor through the third so I think we just kind of come out second half with a bit more of a practical approach to what they were presenting with us Um and they just struggled to deal with it. I think they, to be fair to them, they started the game with a bit of a curveball. They didn't play in the same way as as they did at Anfield. They had a different a different formation and everything, man marking and that. Um, so I think they caught us off guard with that, but they just didn't punish us. And then that that gave us the platform to come in second half, throw our own curveball, and then come out with I was going to say three points then, but <laughs> no. it's not three. Points. It did feel like a league game. League game yeah, right it did weirdly, didn't it, Clow? I think you know one of those things really interesting first half is Dan mentioned that Joe Gomez could have wilted under under the pressure, but actually what ended up happening is what we've seen against Liverpool so often when you don't score, the defenders all of a sudden get confidence, the keeper gets confidence, the team gets confidence, and you you've got something to build from, haven't you? Yeah, you do. I thought um, Joe Gomez. I thought the entire back four was sensational, and that is your foundation. You've heard that old cliche uh, defences win your titles and that's that it's true if you're hard to break down you can go and nick a goal at the other end especially with the quality that we've got up there um, and yeah we, we you know first 15-20 with them being the home side you expected them to come out at yeah um, and Joe Gomez was superb I'm pretty sure Saka tried to uh, take him on four times double past him and succeeded in absolutely zero of them um, obviously down the other side I thought uh, Trent was really good especially you know that, that one 
where he like takes on two defenders in his own box mm. and then absolutely volleys a ball up to Diaz um, and gets us out and, and Diaz just can't quite hold the ball up but it, it was ridiculous and Canate by the way what a monster he's been there's been people sat there saying you know Joel Matip was the number one he'd moved into number one he'd got an ACL and then it was actually I, I kind of like Jarell Kwanzaa and Canate is being one of the match, he's produced a monster performance, uh, and yet that did it. It was at times living life danger, dangerously, but it was also really good defending, um, and it just gives you confidence knowing that that's behind you. And we grew into the game. Um, um, in the second half, we were brilliant because we knew defensively we'd be able to to solve them out. But up top, it left more spaces because as the game went longer and longer, no team wanted the replay. Um, so it was a case of you have to really go for it. And shout out to Connor. Brown Bradley, um, because and Clark, they were, they were boss when they made those substitutions. I thought he doesn't want to be playing fair enough, neither mm. do I. Um, I was like, yeah, if we lose, like he's he's just letting everyone have opportunities, and they were absolutely phenomenal. Foul and people taking yellow cards. Martinelli got pocketed as soon as Conor Bradley came on. So yeah, uh, boss performance from them as well. Yeah, we've run through the entire agenda there. Sorry. So we'll wrap it up. But they were the talking points and you know, we did it at length last night down on Quan uh, on Canate. Yeah. But Quan's are equally man, he's got mm-hmm. some yeah. top quality defending in him, hasn't he? Yeah, he has, mate, absolutely. And this is another test in what is now his his burgeoning Liverpool career and he's passed it with flying colours for me. And I think again, I think under such trying circumstances in the opening 10-15 minutes it would have been easy for any of those back four to really struggle and not been able to cope with what Arsenal were often because we were under the cost there's no two ways about it but all of them to a man stood up to be counted and their performances individually and as a collective were absolutely outstanding I do think Ibu Canate led that and for him I said this in our shows last night for him to sort of step up to the mantle without Virgil van Dijk there albeit the captains alongside him in Trent you do need a leader to come from your back too in terms of your centre half I think Canate took that on last night with Quantum alongside and that was massively important because as good as Quantum is he does need that little bit of added experience to sort of marshal him through situations and I think Ibu did that really well but yeah Joel Quantum continues to pleasantly surprise me in terms of what he offers it, it would have been easy for him to just be this out and out defender he wins his headers he wins his tackles he wins his blocks he makes his clearances etc etc but there's so much more to his game he's quicker than what people think he can go in a foot race for anybody and win it he's big he's strong but also his on the ball ability is absolutely brilliant we didn't see much of his passing range last night Josh mentioned what Virgil van Dijk can do I think he's got that in his locker I don't think he really showed it last night but what he does in terms of carrying the ball out and he's willing to go on those runs not all the time he picks and chooses his moments but yet another like I say probably a sort of a level up for Javel Quanta in terms of what he's facing his career so far but another example of why he is very much an option for Liverpool Football Club uh, absolutely go on, go on I was going to say I think the thing with Quanta it, it feels really weird to to have so much I, I have complete trust in him yeah. even though he's playing as a centre half for like one of the biggest clubs in the, in the world um, at the age of is he 20 I think he might be 20, 20 years old. I think he's 21 this month, actually, funny enough. Yeah, yeah well, that, that that just feels really weird because, like, centre-halves, you don't usually get them emerging from within your ranks and when they do, they maybe... You just you have that worry that they're just going to fall over or something, something mad like that. But he, he looks so assured, so in control of what he's doing and that. Looks like a proper man, to be honest, on the pitch. And you said to me as well... I'm going to put it on the spot here. You said to me on a deep dive the other day um, that you prefer Matip over Canate. It's only been one game since, but you stand by that, yeah? I think when you look at the body of evidence, I still like Matip mm. more, but 
if if Canate can perform like that time and time again, there ain't no question marks over him, is there? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 always been one or the other for me. Matip's always had the experience. Canate's always seemed to have the high ceiling. Yeah, and yeah. I think, I I think that. that's fair to say. Do I think, think, it, think it's down to a, a lack of footy then for Canate. Yeah, it's it not always an ability is. Thing. Yeah, it's not an ability thing. Yeah. But it's, I think when the when when the going gets tough, he's always throwing Matip back in. Yeah. So if the boss is doing that, like. It's funny actually though because a few years back we were saying this about Matip weren't we in terms of like it's he's not playing enough footy he's in and out the team all the time injuries and that and he kind of got to a point where he he started to play all the time really and uh, I think he's as he's kind of got towards the age of like 30 onwards he's had better injury rather than before it which is quite weird but hopefully Canate has similar in terms of just getting getting better with that as he moves on because I think last night we saw just how good of a of a pure defender he is like he's 1v1 especially he's just a monster and you're just not beating him and I think he's got more of a natural gift maybe than Matip I think Matip's better on the ball uh, but as a pure defender I've got no worries when Canati's coming up against like a Martinelli or something like that with Matip maybe I do yeah and that was it was it when Trent got ripped a couple of times by Martinelli when he came on Canati was there yeah like a fucking wall <laughs> and was just not being beaten like, wasn't it, Cloud? I mean, and not only that, what Canate brought and showed me last night, which I don't think I've ever seen before, was leadership qualities yeah. because there was no Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. Um, his performance was ridiculous. It was He was unplayable. No one could get past him. Um, the block in the first half mm. where I think a ball is put basically on a place in the middle of the, the box and his slide tackle to block it was unbelievable and he, he made sure he was that leader and you could see with his celebrations you could see with when he got a decent tackle <laughs> did you see the celebration yeah. by the way from it where you right were right in front of me it was right that I've saw that like I've got a video of the hat just being lobbed somewhere in front of me um, but yeah you, you could tell from him and he was a real leader at the back you know it, it was when you you needed someone to rely on and we usually rely on Alison Becker in those moments when there isn't Virgil van Dijk Canato really stood up he was brilliant um, and if we can get that performance out of him you know he, he could be one of the best centre-halves in the future he really could he could have the ceiling that we all think he, he has Um and yeah, his leadership, you could see when, when he got a decent tackle, he thought to himself, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's me. I'm now. having this. Right? Um, yeah, he was all about it. He was all about the tackles as well. Jarell Quanta put one on, he'd like lost the ball or something and he just one foot in and the crowd nearly went mad for that. It was the, it was the tackles as well. And the, the tackle, was it Clark on Declan Rice? Yeah, I've on, never seen yeah. a tackle celebrated more in my entire life. <laughs> the away end started bouncing for it. Um, so yeah, there was lead leaders stepping up and Canate with his performance sometimes you don't need to be vocal to be a leader but I feel like he had a bit of both at he times was yeah. Time he was, yeah. yeah he had to go with Trent didn't he and you know as we, as we, yeah after Martinelli did him for I think the second time and that's not a slight on Trent because Martinelli's a very good winger and I think he's got Trent's number I think it's fair to say we've seen that yeah, numerous times about, every yeah. time they come one on one he seems to do him but it's one of them getting him out of there and out of the final line and getting Conor Bradley in was one of the best things Klopp did last night to be honest but yeah Canate had to cover across and deal one of those situations and straight away he was on to Trent and he's having to go with his captain there but I don't mind that because you're right that's one of the things that's been missing in inverted commas from Canate's game but it's 
easier when you've got Virgil van Dijk alongside you to not be that leader and to sort of go into yourself a little bit and maybe not be the vocal one shouting all the people around you. But when Virgil's not there, somebody's got to step into that breach. And Canati did. I was surprised, to be honest. He never really struck me as that type. I think Matip's a little bit similar. They sort of get about their own game and they do their own business and they move on. But last night, Canati showed a completely different side to his game. The performance was there in terms of his defensive work, but in terms of his leadership, that was next level for me. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. It was that. It was epitomised by that block, wasn't it, where Havertz pulls it back yeah. and Canati's there, big ass block and all this type of stuff. One thing that did my head in uh, on the day, and Chloe, you can't talk to this, is obviously like Alan, Alan Shearer and, and stuff like that. <laughs> there was one moment which was said to me, because obviously we don't have the, the commentary on it in there, and I went back and watched it, and someone said to me, Alan Shearer, when, when Odegaard hit the bar and then they had two more opportunities. I'm not going to say, yeah, yeah. He said they could have been like 4 0 up. Yeah. But if he'd have scored one, the other chances wouldn't have happened. So they wouldn't have they can't get you can't give them three goals for one attack. That Alan Parsons commentary, you know, when he's scoring <laughs> and another so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, What night. are you doing, Shana? Are you still just fuming about the Newcastle results he or was. what? It was like pulling teeth at times, honest to God, he was hard work. Everything Every time Arsenal did something positive, he would go on about it for like the next minute. Every time a Liverpool player did something positive, nothing. Dead silence from alongside. Honestly, it was graft listening to Shearer. He was just bitter about the Jota thing still, you could tell. It's it's one of them. It's it's standard, like, you know, middle-aged pundits who who is massively over-exaggerating when it comes to the quality of certain chances. Like, to score I five... I feel like he's seen me. He's <laughs> <laughs> like seen me? No, that's... No, I, like... The, the chances that they were creating, mate, were like, they were good chances to be fair, but to score five of them, four or five of them at once, like, you've got to be absolutely on it. Like, I think the XG at the end of the game was like 1.3 or something. Yeah. So, you know, massively exaggerating, like, it always happens, doesn't it? No, it, it doesn't. Like, the other thing is as well, that you sort of think to yourself, well, a lot of it was poor finishing, a lot of it was good defending as well. Mm. So, like, you think about the, the Nelson chance, was it in, within the first two minutes of the yeah. game or something? Yeah. Like, he goes really wide and he's not good enough to get it in from the byline. Fair play. Odegaard's not good enough to get it on target. Well, he's an Arsenal player. Be- be- get better players. Uh, if you want to finish, if you want them to score goals, you know what I mean? And like, and then the Canate one and Alisson makes a big save from Ben White, doesn't and he? Is it That's ben White? Ben I thought White. it was Odegaard. Hit that, Can fair. someone tell me what Ben White looked like? Because I couldn't, I couldn't David see. David Dickinson yeah. with blonde hair. Orange. Orange. Excellent show. He was a woman off okay. Benidorm. It's funny that though, isn't it? But then, Josh, we've got to talk about the changes. Dan mentioned it briefly before. Half time comes around and Klopp proves to everybody, I think, why he is a better manager than Mikel Arteta. Yeah, and he doesn't get credit for it, does he? He gets um, painted as this kind of cheerleader who just screams at people and uh, it's just about vibes and fist pumps and that, but. He's got more to his game than that. He's very tactical behind the scenes and that. And the changes that we made definitely had a massive impact on the game. And I don't think Arsenal reacted from that. Um, specifically putting Nunes on the flanks mm. and putting him up against Ben White. I think Trent was 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 massive as well in finding Nunes all the time. Whenever Trent was in a bit of trouble, mm. he just hit it as hard as possible in the direction of that side. Knowing that Nunes would be all over it and knowing that White would probably struggle to deal with him. Uh, that allowed us to get up the pitch a lot like um, I thought Gakpo had a weird game like in t- first half he was a uh, Gakpo's boss by the way I'm not getting a uh, oh, not yeah, getting battered that, yeah. again <laughs> that got mentioned last night we did talk about that yeah, did, did, yeah, did, yeah. what did you say no. not bad we were just uh, the versatile the Havertz that situation <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah well 
at the first, first half he was playing in midfield when he was playing as Nate and uh, just whenever he plays as Nate I feel like he's a bit of a black hole mate I feel like the, he's kind of non-existent a little bit and when he plays as the false nine he's a bit better and he's a bit more involved than he um, but he still goes off on the hour like and, but overall I think the changes that we made you know climbing up the pitch a little bit going a bit longer with our passion going over the block not trying to build to the back um, playing some newness every time up against Ben White I think it all just changed the momentum of the game and because they, because of the run they've been on, and the fact they didn't take any chances, it played in the reds. And I think everyone in the stadium got to a point now on the hour mark where they just felt we're going to get done here, and it ended up happening two 0 Yeah, that's it. Like I mean, the changes specifically, obviously, it's a big call first of all, isn't it, to play Elliot on the right hand side, Chloe and Nunes through the centre, Diaz from the left hand side. But it wasn't just Nunes when he moved him to the left. We were getting a lot of success out of Diaz on the right hand side as well, weren't we? Yeah, we were, and. I'm so glad he buried a chance because there was like three one-on-ones he had before that and we were all screaming him to shoot and by the time he'd not shot or he'd cut inside it seemed like he was slightly choosing the wrong option in those moments um, and the, the chance was gone but I thought he was so good he was easily finding space he was good on the ball uh, that finish by the way is, mm. is ridiculous top ins and apparently it's a no-look as well which you love you it's love no look? Yeah, apparently, you know, I didn't get onto that he yeah. apparently looks I away yeah um, oh, um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Diaz Diaz looked great there. I uh, thinking of how I'd play this system now, and Harvey Elliott looked a lot better at the uh, number eight position as well. I would genuinely play like if you're asking for me front three for the next couple of games, I'd put Nunes on the left, I'd put uh, Jota up top, and I'd put Diaz on the right. That's how I would would do it. Um, because yeah, I thought and. It seemed so easy for him to cut across goal and shoot across goal, but he never did it. And I wish I would have seen him take one of those chances just for him to get a bit more confidence shooting across goal. Um, but yeah, he, he he was brilliant when he moved over to that side. He deserved his goal. He's got, he got his goal. His dad was in the crowd as well, which was was boss to see all that. Um, so yeah, it looks like Liverpool, hopefully, they've maybe found a little system that we might be able to deal with the, the loss of Salah and just get through. There's there's one thing I would specifically want to pick up about on Diaz on the right, and I know what Josh's opinions are from doing Diaz, uh, from doing deep dives with him. I'm going to come to you first on it, Dan, and cool. come over to Josh and get the opinions of everybody else. I don't remember what <laughs> <laughs> you will do by, by the time I lead into this, cool. right? Football over the course of the last 20, 30 years, it's always changing. It's always changed from the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. There's a system and then it flips because defenders get used to it and stuff like that. When Jose Mourinho came into this league, we were, as football teams playing, right-footed players on the right-hand yep. side and left-footed players on the left-hand side. Yep. Jose Mourinho, I think, was probably one of the first guys to sort of bring those inverted wingers in with Arjen Robin, Robin and was it Damien Duff and all those types of, types of lads there. And I think... Where I'm going with this is, it's become easier, I think, for, for for defenders to know what the winger is going to do on that side. And I don't know whether it's just because of Salah going to the, the, the African Cup of Nations or whatever, but I felt specifically with Diaz's goal, that goal doesn't happen anymore. Like, Salah cuts inside, the defenders know you're cutting inside to get it onto your stronger foot. He takes it so quickly, the defenders have absolutely no chance. And I just wonder whether this might be a turning point of next year or two where teams start going back the other way. Yeah, quite possibly. It's now referred to as sort of an old school winger. Somebody wants to get to the byline and cross. That doesn't happen anymore, essentially, does it? Because, as you say, they're all inverted now. Even Arsenal have got that. They've got it mirrored with Saka and Martinelli for the most part, of course. Liverpool sort of kicked that on a notch or two with the goal-scoring prowess of Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. Like, even though Robin and Duff were good players 
in the MMA. Ali Ben was just inevitable whenever he cut in. He was absolutely lethal. But the, the levels of goal scoring Liverpool ones have been able to produce in recent years have just never been seen before, quite frankly. But yeah, I think you're right. I think in terms of the goal last night, the defender, he is probably so trained now that in that position, the striker or the attacker is likely to cut in that when he sees Diaz going long way, he probably thinks, oh, it's okay. And all of a sudden it's not okay because it's in the back of the net. It's in very much the roof of the net by the time he has a second to think about it. But maybe we'll see a switch. I think having the likes of Diaz and a little bit the likes of Jota when he does it on the left-hand side, lads who can go both ways, I think that's probably the next sort of evolution of it because I think too often... Not necessarily Mohamed Salah, but probably a little bit of Saka. They become too predictable. And if you are constantly going to cut in, you then can become defendable. You know what I mean? You can sort of become a little bit too predictable, potentially, with that. But yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to... And it all boils down, essentially, to who your number nine is as well. Because if you've got a big, powerful number nine who's going to win your head and stuff like that, you can have a winger who's going to get round his man and put crosses in. Liverpool have done it slightly differently with the number eight, whether it be Henderson or Sabozlai a bit more this season, going around that guy in terms of Salah cutting and so, so on and so forth. But yeah, I don't know if we're going to... We've seen it with Ben Doak a little bit in terms of the lad getting to the byline and pulling stuff back and City do it quite well don't they they get to the byline and pull stuff back but it just comes down to who are your lads if you've got attacking eights arriving like Frank Lampard used to do or if you've got an Erling Haaland-esque striker that's it for me and I don't think Liverpool possess either of those necessarily right now so I think for us it'll still be a little bit horses for courses but having, like I say having Diaz and Jota on either side who can do both that keeps you defender guessing then you've got no way of stopping it essentially Yeah and Josh what about your, your opinion on it then it's tricky isn't it I think uh, I, my natural thing would be to put Jossel over there simply because he's just really two footed yes. so he, he can't he's not kind of limited depending on the angle that he's got um, but Diaz did look great over there and uh, to be fair I think he scored the, the opening I don't even want to go back to it but the opening goal against Spurs away Yeah, that was from that side yeah, where yeah, he, he hit it out. with his you know, he laces through it far corner away, cross it? goal yeah. yeah so he's obviously got that to his game and I think he's good enough 1v1 with opponents to actually get to the byline at times as well I don't think everyone could like, I don't think I, I wouldn't play Gapo over there for example I don't mm. think Gapo could get to the byline as easily as Diaz but if Diaz can get there and we've got someone arriving like Backstick like if, if you've got Jota and Nunes who in my head are both like poachers hanging around the Backstick and Diaz getting to the byline on the right you've got a threat there like if you can if you can make use of that so yeah I think you ideally don't want to play with your attack and dynamics too much just because Salah's going to be missing, you know, four or five games or whatever it's going to be. Mm. But you have to get results, and I think we we did look a lot better, like with uh, with Nunes on the wing and cutting inside, and him doing that that side of the game, and and Diaz maybe getting to the byline and and um, doing what he did against Spurs by by putting the ball on the back of the net by putting his laces through it. Yeah, I think when Jota came on, he took us to another level because he'd, he'd give him the ball and he'd drag it up the pitch. Um, and he'd, he'd take the amount of players he just glides past. Uh, there's one where he glides past two players, passes it to, to Lucho, and Lucho is in the centre of the box. He's come from the right hand well, side. It's the Ramsdale it's the Ramsdale it. And I thought maybe Lucho <laughs> was going to pass it one more to, to Nunes for him to go across goal. But that's what Jota can offer yet. And that's why I don't want Jota. Uh, I, I like Jota up top more than on the wing. I, d I don't mind him as a, a left winger. I like it I, I, when he cuts inside. But I want your best, your most clinical goal scorer to be in the box. And he does find himself in the box all the time from that left wing. But when, when he's that number nine, like he was the other day, 
he reads the game so well. There was times on that that right hand side, well, the right hand side for me, the left hand side, where Gomez and, and Nunes, when they were in a little bit of trouble, Jota would just go over and help them out, and it'd be a one two, and we'd get out of there. And it was just that simple. And I think he can read the game. He's the one who sets the press off the best as well. Um, so I, I'd like to see him as our number nine. He is clinically as a poacher, and. We talked about how much improved Diaz was for that that Newcastle game. There were several times in that game where he hit the byline, but it's his left foot where he's cutting it back and he couldn't quite find the man. If he is in the byline and he's on his, his stronger foot, hopefully he can put the ball exactly where he needs it to be. And uh, with Jota being up there, he <coughs> finds space so easily. Um, so I thought Jota, when he came on, was was massive as well because he just he, he's so strong, he, he can hold off a man but at the same time he reads the game enough to know exactly where he needs to be to help everyone out so um, yeah I th- I, I'm, I'd like to see that front three again in those exact same positions so Diaz, Jota Nunes on the left hand yeah. side I mean Chloe mentions it there Dan we couldn't get out from the press no. in the first half and in the second half Jota and Nunes and or Joe Gomez made it much easier for us in the midfielder as well to play down the left-hand side and sort of break out. We did it a couple of times. Obviously, there's the Diaz chance, isn't there? Mm-hmm. And then there's the chance right at the end where Diaz scores. And Jota's making that out-to-win run both times, isn't he? Yeah, is an incredibly intelligent footballer, isn't he? It's as simple as that. And what he does, we touched on it last night as well, what he does is he impacts games. Like, he just has this knack. And what what's so fascinating about him to watch is when... Everything seems to be moving at a million miles an hour around him. He has this ability to slow things down. And it's sort of the opposite, as we said last night, it's sort of the opposite of Darwin Nunes. Things seem to speed up when Darwin Nunes is in possession of the footy. And he never has the time to think or the clarity of thought to make the right decision. But time and time again, Diogo Jota gets it right. And I think that was imperative last night because it was impossible for us to get through the midfield, whether that was down to Arsenal's press or just an inability for us to do that. It's probably a midfield three that hasn't played together all that often, certainly with Gakpo in there in the first half. But McAllister, for me, his defensive work last night was pretty good but the areas you'd expect him to thrive in terms of in possession he's technically very gifted it wasn't really working for him he's losing possession a few times but Liverpool figured out a way and Diogo Jota was absolutely crucial to that and he so often is like again when he's fully fit he kind of makes himself I don't know whether he's undroppable because he is such a he's probably the one out of our forward options who continually makes an impact from the bench and they don't all do that so I can understand why Klopp is sort of doesn't want to put him in all the time in from the start because like I say Nunes sometimes for me from the bench is a bit ineffective I think Roberto Firmino was guilty of that back in his day as well when he came off the bench he never seemed to have an impact Joe Jota just finds a way of getting involved in games and putting up numbers time and time again so he is massive for the next few weeks and the rest of the season of course but while Salah's away I think Jota's the one who can really sort of step up and be counted What would you do in your front two side as well? I I Josh said a moment ago I'd be sort of I'd be against playing with the dynamic too much and that would mean it'd be Harvey Elliott from the right to be dead honest oh, okay. um, because that frees up the other four to continue rotating in the other positions that'd be where I'd sit on it I don't love Louis Diaz out there even though last night was fine for like a cameo Diogo Jossa, I've never been a huge fan of him out there either I think he did it against Leicester in the Carabao Cup game not for me really to be honest so yeah I'd be Harvey Elliott just because I think it keeps the dynamic the same now there's a Bosley injury doesn't help that at all because that means he might have to do a little bit more in the eight but in an ideal world I'd be Harvey Elliott I'm not interesting. I, we, I said Jota from the right when we were doing the deep side the other day, wasn't it? Last week, I yeah. said Jota from the yeah. right hand side. Like I do like him out there, but 
when you see Diaz put a performance in like that, I didn't really think Diaz was a possibility to play on the right until we saw it in the second half yesterday. So yeah. now I'm looking like, oh. one, one thing I'm pretty confident about, though, is I, I don't want to see Gakpo as an eight. So if, if Elliot playing as Salah means Gakpo plays as the eight, mm. I'm not really keen then. Why is that? I just things I said before, like I think whenever he's played as an eight this season, he's been completely anonymous, and that's probably sounds a bit harsh, but obviously I I I check the numbers after every game, and whenever he's played as the eight, sometimes when he hasn't played as the eight as well to be fair, but whenever he's played as the eight, he has the fewest touches of anyone on the pitch for Liverpool, and that's including like your your, your nine, like and that that can't be the case if you if you're playing as an eight. If you're playing as an eight, you have to connect the game, you have to be a passing option all the time. And he plays the eight as a forward, where he's running away from the ball, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. It's it was just a tough for him last night though, because we just couldn't build up, could we? No, no, I know. But, but you know, it, it was the same against the point, yeah, it was it? the same against Chelsea. It was the same against which, as in first game of the season, second game of the season. Who do we, who do we face? Because it, it was the same for that. It was the same for that Bournemouth, as well. Bournemouth, I, I was thinking Bournemouth. Yeah, I think it was the same for that. Um, it's been like a recurring theme whenever he's played as an eight this year. And it, I always have to caveat this as well. Gonna look straight down the lens here. <laughs> I like the player. <laughs> I do like the player. I just think he's. You just don't like him as an eight. I don't like him as an eight so far based on what I've seen. Where did he play for Palace? Sorry, because I thought he was excellent in that game. Where uh, Harvey? It was Harvey Elliott, Joe Gomez, and Gakpo, and he kind of like. Harvey Elliott just picked up all the space, but Cody Gakpo was vital to us mm. also getting that space. But I don't remember it, where he it, played. For me, his season hasn't got going whatsoever, I, and yeah. I really like Cody Gakpo. I do, and I don't need to have a lens to oh, say sorry. it. Everyone's always a little bit. No, I do. I mean, like, but it's it, hard, it's hard it, his season just hasn't started whatsoever, and I. I'm sort of on the fence whereby do you blame him for that in his own form or is it the fact that he's a victim of his own versatility because you're in clock yeah, confusing yeah. him left wing central number eight a little bit so he's just kind of filling in wherever he's needed he's doing a job for a team essentially he's just a bit of a water carrier therefore he hasn't been able to kick start his season whatsoever and that's that's slightly disappointing really because he came in obviously in January and he was absolutely outstanding for me he looked like the Firmino 2.0 I think most people probably said that over these 40 but it just hasn't happened and we again we touched on this last night like Darwin Nunes there's been loads of question marks around Darwin Nunes like does he warrant a place in the side you know is he is he clinical enough probably not right now but the fact of the matter is is that one of the guys beneath him in the pecking order is Cody Gakpo and he's not exactly clamouring he's not exactly banging down the door to say you've got to start me over Darwin Nunes because his form doesn't warrant that either so it's a really difficult one but I think Jurgen Klopp probably loves Cody Gakpo because he's so versatile and he can fit him into so many different positions mm. but Right now, and this is kind of what you said in the deep dive a few weeks ago, he's not thriving in any of these roles, really. And we're not seeing him what was his natural position either, which was the left-hand side. Mm. So you're not seeing him even given an opportunity to go out there and impress, are you? No, no. I mean, you could you could, you could, could if... Now that Salah's gone away and Diaz maybe and Jota are going to get more minutes on the right, maybe the, a spot open up, opens up for him on the left a little bit, but... I do think it's a proper first world problem though. Like this, oh, yeah. the top of the league, we're still in four competitions, but all right, we haven't got many issues going on. This is one of them that like we're just looking for things. To yeah, it's, about. A, it's an it's an interesting like something to think about because he's 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 probably one of the few who's, as Dan said, just he hasn't really you know hit the ground running yet as he and and, the, and yet 
his best thing yesterday was that turn yeah. to release really ten to hit the, the bar. Yeah. If he can do that yeah, yeah. more often from yeah. the eight, from the eight, then you can totally understand why he's getting game time week in week out, can't you? Be- mm. But he just doesn't do that enough for us at the moment. Listen, I, I don't really want to focus on the negatives of, of Liverpool. Let's focus on the negatives of Arsenal a little bit. I've got in the agenda here. Let me see if I can find the line. Arsenal are a big whiny bunch of crybabies led by the giant man baby Michael Arteta, uh, and I stand by that and it's true that's from you I wrote it yeah oh, <laughs> you're reading a quote from someone yeah yeah Chris Pajak <laughs> um, January the 8th 2024 <laughs> Chloe you will have seen it and Martin Odegaard the descent time and time again look at the face look at the face on Chloe there she's fuming about it they <laughs> are just a big bunch of babies genuinely from my end I've got no idea what we're going on us. Oh. like what's this Martin Odegaard thing you've got to think I was in the away end they were wearing all white and I totally understand the reason I like the reason but I couldn't even I see I don't actually know the reason what is the reason no so more life in London oh okay so no red so the, so the FA put a big red badge on the side of the kit well done FA did they? yeah Oh, wonderful! Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't see numbers. I was just guessing from the very back row of wherever I was stood. So, what happened with Martin Odegaard? Just a couple of shows of dissent and oh, towards right. the referee, um, phoning his arm, yeah, telling him to yellow. fuck off and stuff like that. No. Yeah, and then Harvey Elliott was that Harvey Elliott? Once, yeah, 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 did it once. Did it once. Um, I mean, even that bad. Either. And it wasn't even a foul, really. No, it was not. I remember that it was by the touchline. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it seems like Liverpool are the only team who get yellow cards for the sense, isn't it? Alexis I mean, I'm not seeing anything. Got good done for that, didn't he, as well? For Didn't Willis Diaz get done the other day for that and fair play. He was absolutely fuming at the ref. Um, but, yeah, they are just... Uh, they, they, we've mentioned it time and time and time and time again. They... Are, they're a very, very young squad and they'll probably build in to be an, an even better squad than what a lot of their fans thought they were last season. But they're far too emotional for what they do. Everything seems like it's either end of the world or is, you know, you're on cloud nine. There is no in-between. And It's funny how the fan base sometimes mirrors the team and yeah, the team sometimes exactly. mirrors the fan base, yeah. isn't it? And, and it's that they're just far too everything, the highs are just far too high and the lows are far too low. Um and sometimes you've got to just be in the headset of dropping a point or, you know, one loss in the season is, isn't that bad. Let's go again. Where for them, it feels like they'd be all and end all and they need to kind of get away with that. But you get that with experience. And once again, they're a very young squad. We saw it a few weeks ago, Dan, didn't we? Where, you know, they're celebrating and rightfully so, by the way, I think you should celebrate every single win. And, and I'm sure all for it. Like, mm. But the way in which they were celebrating those mm. sort and of late winners. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, come on, like, it's not, we're not at the end of the season yet. Mm. But, I don't actually have a problem with that. It's, it's how you react to the defeats that I have the problem with. I'm all about celebrating the journey. If you're at the fucking game and you've won a last-minute winner, whether it's the first game of the season or the last game of the season, doesn't matter. The journey is part of it. And it doesn't matter where you actually are in the in the, the, the table. Like, a last-minute Jota for, against Spurs. Like, w- what were we doing? We were, I think, trying to go for fourth. We still had a hope for fourth last season at that moment. But did I go absolutely crazy? Yeah, I went mental when Jota scored that to, to put us 4-3 up because of the story, because of the journey that you mentioned. But booing when you lose a game at home when you're second in the table against a really good West Ham side uh, like 
at no point last year did, did me being in that stadium as a Liverpool fan boo I never heard us once boo and we had some horrific results away and at home and we didn't boo our players off the pitch he's a second he was second in the league and you started booing your players off because they'd lost a, a game against West Ham and you said had loads of shots but couldn't put the ball in the back of the net that's entitlement that's, that's entitlement that's all it is yeah. that's somebody paying £50 to go and see Arsenal win not £50 for the opportunity to support your football side mm. and that's where you get mm. that and you see that with Manchester United uh, and I'm sure it will keep him with success at, at Liverpool if we have sustained success by the way this always happens um, Manchester City are having it now where they're absolutely fuming because as, as someone who doesn't go to the game all the time you go and you expect a victory and if you don't get that victory you feel like you were entitled to that and that's what you pay for it's not like going to the cinema and seeing a film like where you get the, the, the start to the end of the film and that's it it's already been written like football is about going and supporting your side singing cheering being part of the atmosphere helping your side where you can helping them get out from bad situations and stuff like that and you see it unfortunately all up and down the country yeah. and stuff but I would say that Arsenal are probably one of the worst at it and I don't really know the reason why they've actually had it really good I, I actually think it, a lot of it stems from and this isn't like a dig in their direction I, I think you can tell they haven't won anything major for quite a while and I think that there's quite obviously desperation to make that happen and any any time there's any kind of setback there's like immediate panic mm. um, but I th- when did they last win anything significant like you t- Premier League, Premier League, Premier League or European Cup? You know, last one first season, wasn't it? I FA Cup, was... I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't put in the in the bracket. Yeah, I've got Cup fever then, though. Now we're in the fourth round there. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I did last night. To be fair, but I'm talking like Premier League, Champions League. Well, that, never. The, the, Premier, the Premier League <laughs> was 2004-2005 for the money. Well, because exactly. it was the Invincibles was their last <laughs> Premier League win was it yeah, their last one that's what I mean you I believe so yeah the, I mean if you think United was 12-13 we're up to 10 years I mean, Arsenal are coming up on 20 years yeah that's what I mean no, you, you almost forget what, 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 how you navigate that 38 game campaign and, and get to the end and like one thing I've picked up on with Klopp recently he, he keeps he's almost angry when he gets asked about the, the title and like being first and all that he's been very like listen we're in January stop asking me type yeah. thing whereas Arsenal as you say celebrating massive you know looting wins in December was it you know it's it's, it's obviously you should celebrate I agree with you but you've got a long way to go before you can even start thinking about titles and that. well they're built in the image of the manager aren't they as well this team Mikel Arteta is one of the very worst for either over celebrating or getting too angry yeah. and emotional when it comes to things not going his way he seems to be always facing a touchline ban and he seems to be always getting fined by the FA he had a statement recently asking for more protection about Bukayo Saka it's all very over the top yeah and yeah yeah exactly I think that stems from the club the manager and the fan base as well it seems like a, a bit of a cocktail of it's a shit mix essentially because it's, when it's not that, working I heard it was Michael Arteta who put the video of Saka together and put it and released it on Twitter oh, really? <laughs> yeah. edit. I'm sure it was I'm sure it was a, an MA edit on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> Lego Ed edits um, no yeah that's what it boils down to for me like I say he doesn't doesn't help them because you're right Jurgen Klopp playing down those sort of talk and staying level headed that 
breeds into the Sky side then the squad Liverpool had it when we won the league everyone remembers the message every time Jordan Henderson James Milner Andy Robertson whoever came out after a game and he said right another win like another step in the right direction for the league yeah we're just taking one game at a time it's one so game boring at a time. though isn't it you're so like, boring, yeah, of course lads. it was but it became part of the mantra that took yeah. us to the league title and Arsenal don't have that because they win a game and it's the best thing that's ever happened they lose a game is an absolute catastrophe and that's the fan base for you now we've seen it in the, the booing and the, I remember the bit and City when City dropped points oh at God. home to Crystal Palace they got booed uh, at the end you... it's laughable and football this is the modern day football fan for me and I'm sounding a bit old now and I'm only in the early <laughs> 30s but back in the day I've said this countless times you used to be able to draw games of footy I'm but you can't league. do it anymore yeah. you I think can't that, I that's think City's that, football that's the Guardiola effect. No, it is, you're right. It is. But that's what's bled bled in now to the fact that everything is so enhanced and so heightened and also you know again we live in this world we live in this world but social media breathing inside because well, you drop yeah. points everyone's on you straight away therefore it's not just you're dropping points on the pitch it's going to come into your everyday life and you're going to be hearing about it for the next week I'm pretty sure last season I think it was last season anyway um, Spurs were beating City at the Etihad at half time and they were like basically tearing them apart and the chorus of boos I've never heard anything like it and City came back and must have won like 4-3 or something in that second half and it, and it was just like do you know how entitled you sound you literally have a, a team and a manager who just keep winning everything they've did they won the, a quad last season no a Travel. Travel. Travel, travel, sorry. Uh, they won the travel last season. Like, do you know how unbelievable that is? And yet you can boo when things don't go right the next season. That's not what you do. You get behind your team, you stay behind your team because they're the same lads that have gave you the best moments of, of your life and they need to, you need to support them to continue doing that again. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, a little bit mad. I, I don't understand it and maybe it is because it feels like a draw a draw or, or sort of nowadays when you've got City breathing down your neck it feels like a loss mm. um, but it, you kind of have to take that out of, of what it actually is and just try and stay level headed as much as possible because what you're doing is you're just fueling Manchester City on fear and knowing and they're just smelling it and going yeah okay we've got you here and I, that's not I, good I, I don't know what you saw I, I can't ever see myself booing no, my own team no. I, I don't no. think I'll ever do it you know I would walk out before a boo yeah that would be my way of going no not for me I might I be uh, coming close I don't remember coming close to it really no I, I, no, no I might be um, you know this might get clipped in like 10 years when we're getting managed by like Hodgson again or something <laughs> but um, I just I can't see it ever happening like I, I just don't think it's the right thing to do ever like in any situation there's, there's context especially in this game this game, they, they were so good in the first half. It just takes a chance to, to rather than go on that, that side of the post, it goes that side of the post. The narrative's completely different. Yeah. Um, and on the back of watching that game and attending that game, you, you boo at the end. It's just, for me, it was very much one of them. But Arsenal, it's just... Also, it sounds terrible booing. Like, yeah. genuinely, like, even when when we do boo the opposition, I never really know how to do it. I'm like, boo! Like, <laughs> boo! Like, I don't, I'm not very good at it. I'm not a good whistler. I'm not a good whistler <laughs> no, either. I can't Some of the whistles are boss when the oppo have got it. You I can agree. do the whistle, you know. Yeah, I'm a terrible whistler. I'll go with you. But no, you're right. And also, like, I've even seen talk of crisis and stuff like that. I mean, you haven't won in a few games yet. It's not great. It's definitely not title winning form in the modern era as dictated to by Klopp and Guardiola. Of course it's not. But is it really a crisis? Like, is it that, that bad? Are you going to throw your, your baby out of the bathwater? Are you going to Mikel Arteta out and all that sort of stuff? Like, I just think, 
you need to be a little bit more level-headed because ultimately, when you are playing well and when you are going through a little bit of a sticky patch like Arsenal are right now, that's when they need the fans yeah, most. And actually, is. I think Mikel Arteta said that himself last night because he was asked straight away, yeah. do you need to sign a striker as if that was going to be the answer? I was going to say that, yeah. And it could well be. Don't get me wrong, I think they probably do need to sign a striker, to be honest. But he said, we actually need the fans to stick by us and to keep supporting us. Yeah. And that's been Jurgen Klopp's message forever, hasn't it? And he's, right. he's, right. he's right. He's right. That's what it, that's what it is. It's, it's Did anyone see the person on Twitter? I don't know it is. But he posted along the lines of a photo of like Arsenal in the Champions League. And he was like, it's all right, Liverpool. You can have your FA Cup. And it would have been such a really good reply if we hadn't won it six times. Love. Like, <laughs> we've got six of those trophies in our cabinet. You've got zero. It's not, you're not him. Like, it didn't go as hard as you thought it would. Um, yeah, and I, I laughed at that as well because the comments were literally just photos of us with like Champions League trophies where they've gotten on. It was really good. Oh, yeah. but the, the days of goals, remember, Chloe? Oh, yeah, sorry. The days of goals. You know, they, were, they drew 12 games in a season. That was too small for me, that trophy. It was pathetic. Not really silly, it I was, thought. Yeah. Arsene Wenger was holding like a little gold trophy with the but Invincible. Invincible. Small? Oh, it was small? I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's about this big, the gold that. Premier League trophy that they got, wasn't it? And yeah. there's not many photographs of it either, to be honest with you. I don't like, think of that one. Yeah, yeah, like that, right, yeah. But this is all the way, you know. So they yeah, gave it a gold yeah, trophy when they won the gold trophy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that's why they're, they're like little slogan is ours is gold and all this type of stuff. But like, listen, I think it's an incredibly difficult thing. But I'd rather have more points at the end of the season. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. I'd rather be Centurions. They drew a lot of games. Really they? They, they drew twelve games. Yeah, and they got beat by Middlesbrough, I think, in the League Cup as well. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, and it, I know it's incredibly difficult to go invincibles, but it's about gaining points. And the the point record would be I'd be more interested in the point record in the league. What did they end up with ninety? Yeah, bang on ninety win. Yeah, it was twenty six wins, twelve and, draws, and twelve draws. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah, Anyone so. want to do the math or <laughs> seventy eight <laughs> plus twelve ninety? Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Take your word for it. To be honest, <laughs> deep dive there. Um, it was very basic maths, people. No. Like you should be like, he's all just not blank. It's like twenty six times three. Anyone? Calculate no, okay, sounds okay. Calculate um, but anyway, this gold trophy. Like, if it's gonna be small, it's gotta go ashes small. That's okay, it. you want it tiny, tiny. If it's gonna go small, be small. I'd love yeah. it madly. Like, not medium, like it is. Not medium, yeah. like like a mini milk. Yeah, exactly. It's just pathetic. <laughs> Have you not seen it? I'll see if I can find the photo now. I'm surprised um, you haven't seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it, yeah. I've seen it, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I just... I bet it's a picture of Wenger holding it. Yeah, it is, because it's the only picture that's trigger exists, isn't it? Like, let's see. There you go. Can you... Right, wait, wait, wait. There you go. Can we see it now? There's the trophy. I've never seen that. No. Never seen that. That's mad. It's tiny, isn't it? It looks like it's... It looks like a flask. <laughs> like, like, yeah. like he's just made a coffee in it or something he's made up <laughs> cold firm yeah. this is where my soup is <laughs> <laughs> it's a hot cold cold <laughs> Premier League flash yeah oh. it's fair play like it's, it's boss I, I, I would want it just for having a gold trophy but I, I would I would care more about the Centurions thing I just want the actual silver trophy do I don't know, care how you get there do you know the, the first season that we had at um, Allison? 18-19 and we yeah. finished on 97 points if that Etihad game that we lost 2-1 oh if we'd have won that we'd have finished Invincibles and Centurions yeah do you know that yeah. and it's also the, the yeah. Champions League yeah and yeah and, and Premier League winners and Champions League winners yeah 
probably wrap up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like that. that bombshell that we're all off to slit our throats during the break. Um, we will take a we will take a little break, but before we do, Arteta, to be fair to him, said this after the game: when you are better than the best team in Europe and you generate that amount of chances, I have not seen a team do that against them like we have done it. It's not enough. The reality is, it's not enough. It's great what he said. Four words stood out. He thinks Liverpool are the best team in Europe. Um, <laughs> Does anyone else? No. No, we're not quite there yet. Like, but... I think he meant in terms of momentum, did he not? I think he clarified well, it in his press conference. Ultimately, what's the best league in Europe? Prem. And who's top of that? Yeah, we had a good one as well. I think yeah. we've lost We've lost twice in all competitions all season, haven't we? And one of them was with Joe Matthews scoring the winner. Yeah. And the other one was in a match that didn't really matter, yeah. yeah. yeah to lose, winner. Or was it to lose? We lost it last game in the Europe League. Lost yeah, last yeah, game in the Europe League, yeah. yeah. It wasn't no, the last one, was it? It was the second to last one. Second to last one, yeah. It was away, wasn't it? 3-2, yeah. I think. Yeah, and then like we came home and we played... Somebody else. Somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> and we probably beat them. Lask. Next player to insight, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well done, everybody. <laughs> Fantastic. Why mention results if you can't remember them? <laughs> uh, well done, Josh. Thanks for that one, mate. Jeez, mate. Um, oh, my God. I know, the microphone's gone as well. Like, it was a bit of a mic drop. <laughs> um, okay, well, we'll take a little break now. We'll come back. In part two, we're going to be discussing the Carabao Cup, the semi-final that's upcoming and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, check this out. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of minutes. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, welcome back. Um, I can see here in the comments, uh, Blue is asking when the 50 best signings thing out. Uh, it's out already, to be honest with you. It's on redmenplus.com, so you can sign up. Uh, we've got a free code for you, actually. If you sign up as a club captain, you'll get a free month with the code KLOPP, K-L-O-P-P, if you don't know how to spell Klopp, you're an Arsenal fan. Um, 
pass it on. Um, so yeah, sign up, club captain, you get a free month, use the code CLOP, you can watch that 50 greatest signings um, as voted for by our legends and our subscribers. It's absolutely brilliant, all the captains and stuff got involved, although I will say some of them are um, wrong about uh, <laughs> where some of them finished uh, in there. And as you can tell from the advert, I was quite surprised about where uh, Dom Sobersly finished in our 50 greatest signings. Um, so we're going to talk now, second part of the show, about the Carabao Cup semi-final. It's looming large. One might even say it was the biggest game this week, um, even with the Arsenal game counting. Um, Josh, are you excited for this one? Yeah, I think I am, yeah. I think it's... It. Yeah. <laughs> I only found out the other day that it was two legs. I didn't even realise, me. I'm that yeah. out of touch with the Carabao Cup. I'm one of them who thinks, like, you either win it or you just go out first round. Yeah. Just, you know, it's one of them competitions I'm only asked about it, but... Uh, the fact you get into the semis within now, innit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're really? Not else, like. yeah. Definitely not listening to you say the semi-final looms you large. Know, you know what? I think it's. I think it's. I'm scarred from the first couple of seasons on the clock where he just. It was quite obvious he just had no interest whatsoever in domestic cups, and since then, I've, I feel a bit betrayed by him. Now he's insisted I'm a bit like me. So you've already settled my mind. I'm already. I don't care anymore. So. But now I do. Yeah, we're in the semis. <laughs> you sound really excited Hopefully for this competition. <laughs> you didn't know we're in the semi-final. It's because we're only against Fulham. In this, it, at least oh, you knew we were playing. Oh, any, any semi-final against Fulham, mate. It doesn't feel like a semi, does it? But they are scoring goals at the moment. I know, but this is going <laughs> to come back and haunt me, this yeah, is yeah. Well done. Nice one for that, Josh. Shout <laughs> out to the fucking Carabao Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Two legs, you should be getting through. Come on. Well, that's it. And there's a big old break after it, isn't there, Chloe? I think there's 10, 11 days gap or something between our games and stuff. So it's it's basically just go to the well one more time for everybody, surely. Yeah, it is. And, and to be fair, we, we managed to rest a couple of players and give some players who needed minutes the minutes uh, the other day against Arsenal. And also, when you're winning, going again seems a lot easier because you're using the momentum. Um, so yeah, go again. There is a chance. Uh, and look, it is a two-legged tie. But <coughs> Liverpool at home first. If you, if you blow them away, you could finish the tie right there, couldn't you? So um, you really are asking Liverpool to go again and, and hopefully, you know, making that um, away a game at Fulham kind of irrelevant. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think, you know, the bounce of beating Arsenal as well in the FA Cup when we all just settled for the fact of no, let's prioritise the, the Carabao. Um, well, hopefully, you know, keep us in good stead. There's a lot to be happy about being a Liverpool fan. Hopefully the atmosphere is boss as well um, and we can all just have a boss time. Yeah, ultimately, like it's one of them, isn't it? and Josh is right, and the Klopp did very much push the domestic cups to one side but I think that was sort of circumstances played into that as well I think he didn't have the squad at disposal yeah. first and foremost to prioritise all four competitions like he does now that's the that's the first thing to probably say but also it's 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 been said a million times before but the, the, the draws weren't very kind I remember going to Wolves away on a Friday night in the FA Cup third round I mean it's not ideal when you haven't got like I say the, the depth that you'd probably like to use I think we lost Dejan Lovren early in the game as well and Kijana Hoover comes yeah, on and straight away game. you're like oh, this isn't going to happen to Night, is it basically you know what I mean so you need a little Brandon bit of luck playing that one as well yeah I think he might have done yeah you need a little bit of luck along the way if you are going to go deep into these cup competitions if you haven't got the players that you'd like but yeah I think ultimately I think now we're in the semi-final stage um, I think it's definitely a competition we'd like to go and win 100% I think we've been able to use the squad wisely the Arsenal game included I think obviously Virgil van Dijk might be back involved if he's over his illness you've got Gravenberg and Jota both there sort of needing yeah. minutes you'd probably say both of them we've seen last night the youngsters can step up 
up and do a job when required as well. So it'd be interesting to see if some of them get a bit more of a look in. Maybe Bobby Clark. I think he would have been involved a lot more this season were it not for his injury. But ultimately, for me, what it boils down to now is obviously the schedule's definitely eased compared to the festive one anyway. So Klopp will be more accepting of going again with the same sort of lads. But the lack of minutes in the Liverpool players' legs is what sort of standing us in the best possible stead for this little period now compared to some of our rivals because obviously Arsenal and Manchester City have had Champions League to contend with so they've not been able to rotate as heavily as we have in the Europa League group stages so that I said it before when you are going through a rebuild or a transition season or whatever you want to call this from a Liverpool point of view having Europa League is a blessing like we would have absolutely bitten anybody's hand off a Champions League footy of course we would but that might not have meant we were in the situation we were in now because it would have been more testing on some of our key players and stuff like that so I actually think missing out on Champions League could have been the best thing that happened to us last season Question for you then have we got a good enough squad to go for all four this season? Yeah 100% 100% we have yeah absolutely Chloe? It's not making it. Um, no. <laughs> We've got five frontline forwards. The defence is where I raise an eyebrow, certainly with centre-backs, because both Canata and Quanta went down last night, and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible news. Midfield, when they're all fit, which is incredibly rare, Stefan Bajetis and Thiago in particular, we've got like nine central midfielders, essentially, if you go as deep as Bajetic and like Bobby Clark. Yeah, we, we can do this. Sure. Why not? Um, yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. Yeah, I think we do. I think we've got more depth than when we went for the quad. 100%. Yeah. I think we're stronger off the bench now as well, aren't yeah, we? Yeah. I think that's what it looks like to me, but maybe not as strong. And we've got fewer injury-prone players as well, by the way. Like, um, when we went for the quad, we had we had Naby, we had Ox. Um, we're more reliant on Thiago when he was... Shaqiri yeah. still around then? Or? No. I don't think he was, but it feels gone. like the, the midfielders that we've got now, especially with the exception of Bacetis and Thiago, I just... You know, available virtually every week, and if they pick up enough, they recover quickly. So I'd, yeah, I'd like another left back first before I say it, just in terms of one of them coming a back. A proper left back? No, no, one, one of them, them coming back. back. Okay. Not like getting pitched well, and something. Well, it looks a simicast. It might be about a couple of days. Well, that was a bit <laughs> mad. That was it. Like, have you seen this? He yeah, put a post yeah. out. Was it Friday or Not something? Long now. Not long now. Pookie collarbone last week. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, like he's he's pulled a photo from like weeks ago or something there. But like, why was he just running and? Trabs like you just wouldn't like that's what happens when you're in rehab. It's not, he looks like he's not long now to me. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like he was coming back. I'm gonna no, throw the same question at you then, Dan. So, sorry, mate. I'm gonna throw on, the same on. question. Are we have we got a strong enough squad to go for all four if we were in the Champions League? No, no. <laughs> why just because of the minutes and the demands it puts on plays? Mohamed Salah, I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but Mohamed Salah would have played another. 100, 200 minutes potentially on what he's done already. Same with Virgil van Dijk, same with other key players. So Bosley, we used him for every single minute early on in the season, didn't we? That would have been the same in the Champions League. They wouldn't have been afforded anywhere near as much rest or rotation. Even in-game, that's not just not starting games. That's the ability to take Mohamed Salah off or Sabozlai off or Virgil van Dijk, whoever it may be. It's the ability to pull them out of the firing line when the game's wrapped up, certainly in the Europa competition, because we before we sort of trying to decide who Liverpool actually got beat by because it was so irrelevant by the time the fourth game had been played in the group stage it just didn't matter anymore we went to went to Belgium or France with kids essentially and just no one was bothered by that point you know what I mean but to be fair to Klopp he has rotated in the Champions League I think we've got the depth regardless of the competition like I, I but I think the problem would be if you were in the Champions League because that just demands a bit more quality and a bit more just effort to win games and that I think we'd maybe have like I don't know, two fewer points in the Premier League or something like that if we yeah. went for the Champions League with the, in, in the same way and um, maybe we'd have 
just lost to Arsenal last night rather than winning um, and, and progressing through into the next round. So I think that's where it hurts you. But I think depth-wise, depth I think we've got probably the best depth in the Premier League, I think. How often were we fighting those on the, on the final match day of the Champions League to make sure we got through? That felt like a thing. Obviously, the Napoli game is the one that stands out. But I remember the one in Denmark where it was already wrapped up, really. Yeah, well, we, we got 18 points. We were we every game. And then yeah. we got 15 points. Was it last season? Did we get 15 points last season? I'm not sure. We, and we didn't even finish top of the group. No, we no, didn't. We, didn't yeah. yeah. we played Belgium, didn't we, so... Or was it the year before where we got 15 points or something? I just think like that. I just think the ability to not play your best players minute in, minute out in Europe has, has helped us get as far as we have in terms of domestic cups and in terms of being in the Premier League as well. It's helped us go to the well. Because we're seeing lads now. We're talking last night about lads needing minutes. We're talking midweek about lads that might need minutes. Now, albeit some of that's down to injury. But there's lads there that have not been able to get into a rhythm at any point in the season because they've just not been able to get into the team. Mm. Curtis Jones falls into that category a little bit. Harvey Elliott definitely does. So it's been an app. Absolute blessing in disguise for me. Okay. Um, back onto the the Arsenal game at the weekend then, Josh. Um, we talked a little bit in the first part of the show about the front three players. One thing I'd forgot to talk about really was the two young lads in Clark and Bradley and they've been mentioned there. I saw a YouTube comment just a little bit before. I can't find it now saying they play Bradley at right back and they throw Trent in the middle of the park. I can't, yeah. I can't see that, that Klopp will do that. But would that come into your thinking? Um, possibly I think one of the reasons it could but then I don't know who plays left back I, I, I'm just thinking about giving Joe Gomez a break because I think mm. I'm a bit conscious of how much he's playing and we do kind of need him until Simakas is back as that left back we don't really have anyone there mind you we just got Beck uh, back haven't we yeah, back. so I suppose he could get minutes there but yeah it's just about kind of managing the squad and, and, and not giving players too much to do I think Trent has been over the past month or so Arguably the best I've seen him as like a, a consistent run of form and just you know performance to a certain level and you obviously don't want him to get injured you want him to keep that level up he's less likely to keep that level up if he's playing every single game um so you could use Bradley to give him a break yeah I'm I'm not really against that and I think the fact that it's over two legs as well gives you that scope to you know take a bit of a risk in the hope that like it comes off but if it doesn't. You've got 180 minutes to, to sort it out as opposed to 90. Yeah, no, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, one guy who came off um, yesterday against Arsenal was McAllister. <laughs> that looked like a pre-planned substitution, didn't it, Chloe? So you kind of expect him to start and maybe Bobby Clark not to get an opportunity. Yeah, you do. Um, and I think it, it would help him. He obviously missed quite a, a run of fixtures. I mean, I remember getting told it wasn't anything really and then he missed pretty much the entire month of, of December. So yeah, he needs to come back in um, and hopefully he can play well at that. You've got Gravenberg there who, you know, would probably get some minutes again he was good, he was good last night as well he was really good um, you know, it, there's a lot of options once again Harvey Elliott and, and it, it's that whether you're going to use him at right wing again or if you're going to put him in the eight you've got Cody Gappo who got took off who will be able to step right back in um, but once again I, I mean, I'm, if I saw a lineup similar to what I saw against Arsenal I'd be made up Um I don't want it to be a, you need to get a result at, at Fulham away, to be honest. I, I don't want it to come to that because 
it just seems like an extra game there if you could try and get as much done in the first leg to ensure you're, you're through to the final then that's what needs to be done for me especially when it's at home um, and once again like you mentioned you've got 11 days rest after that just tell them to go one more time if, if you can you can make tweaks and changes here um, and by the way Curtis Jones we didn't mention him I thought he was brilliant as well I think he'll probably maybe get a rest um, but we've got we've got an, enough players there who need minutes and who will go again for us um, does anyone know how long till Andy Robert is back End of uh, the month, innit? Yeah, they said end of the month. Paul was saying he expected to be early February because of that, because I think Klopp was talking about, I think, training by the end of the month. So right. it, it would kind of make more sense. But obviously, you've got Arsenal on the 6th of February, haven't you? You've got yeah. Chelsea right at the end of this month. Is that the 31st? 31st is yeah. Chelsea, isn't yeah. it? Obviously, is it, and am I right in saying the deadline days move because of the fixtures? It's like the 1st of February or something too. as well. Really? Um, right. I was a bit like, well, well, we're playing on deadline day. What if something something mad would happen, like Liverpool sign or someone in a January transfer window uh, when no one expects them to, but they always seem to? Um, who knows? <laughs> um, you, don't, you, you just don't know, do you? Yeah. But I was thinking, oh, that, does that put pay to it? Do we have to get it wrapped up? But... I just want to know when he comes back because in, in terms of giving Joe Gomez a rest, Stanley Towns can have to tell him to go again because he's been phenomenal so good this season and it's funny isn't it because like now he's a fullback he's not a centre back even for me anymore he's just been so good he looks really good as a though, doesn't he like Mm. I think previously maybe it's because we what we've expected from the fullbacks previous seasons in terms of the attacking intent you know with the midfield kind of sitting behind the ball and and the fullbacks providing the creative stuff but I think now specifically because we've got midfielders in the middle of the park who can actually create things I think Gomez has been able to play as a fullback and just play within his within his means, within his you know Skill limitations in that yeah. And I think it's benefiting him. He's just playing like a just doing what he's comfortable with, and, and on the defensive side, really benefiting us. I think he's seeing him engaging these one v ones as boss because he's just he, he's so good in them and that. And just lets Saka, for example, really sell himself and then just takes the ball off him. And Saka's Saka takes fullbacks to the cleaners, mate. So you know, Gomez really proved that he's just a level above when it comes it's- to that. Was it Luton where we were like, oh, yeah, it's the game that you try it, it's this game. It was the left back. It, yeah, it didn't work. I want to see game. that again. Yeah, and no, then no. it happened again for Sheffield United. Everyone was like, I don't, I still don't like that. That's not good. And he's now on the wrong side. He's right footed. He's playing at left back. And he is making, you know, some of the best youngsters in the world just get bullied time and time again. He's he's a monster. I don't know what happens, but um, he's really shown up. And <clears> it's, it's mad because you want you want your Robertson to, to play because it's Robertson it's, he was brilliant before he left but I don't know how you I, I can't not have Gomez in when so, he's sometimes you've got to play the hot hand but there's no way he's sitting Andy Robertson down no, if he's fit no. no but I, 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 I want to see him in but the squad this, this, is, mad. this is the perks though of going for four competitions because yeah. you, can, you can still play Gomez just as much as you would play him if he was a starter because you've got four competitions to go for. That, that's yeah. why we, we want to go deep nowadays mm-hmm. in these tournaments, because we've got the squad to do it. Like Yeah, yeah, and you get, everyone gets their minutes, everyone gets their rest <coughs> and everything yeah. else, and you can build on things, and that's what this competition is about, really, for Liverpool 2.0. If you take this sort of step back and view it like that, it's like, yeah, we've had lads who've won with us before, but at some point you've got to, you've got to t- teach the new lads how to win, and that's why I think this Carabao Cup down is so important for us, for the Sobis lads and for the Alexis yeah. McAllister alright he's a bit of a winner already he's got literally got a World Cup <laughs> under his belt there and stuff like that but at Liverpool you want to see them winning things and, and that's how you go from one team to another it's something Ferguson did 
brilliantly maybe three or four times he he reinvented that side and was able to win but mm. we've always peaked and gone away and peaked and gone away until Jürgen Klopp's come with some sustained success yeah 100% mate I think you're absolutely right and it's one thing winning sort of in different leagues and with different football clubs even for your national team but be Argentina but showing somebody what it's like to win with this particular group under this particular manager for this particular football club at the is start of their journey it's massive absolutely massive yeah it can really propel it can be that springboard certainly the time it comes in the season because it is right before the business end of the campaign if you can have that bit of silverware to put on the table and say right that just to start and now we go massive massively important and it it's untold what a boost that can be to a squad and to a group because albeit we've all said we've used our squad brilliantly and the management and the rotation's been absolutely exceptional so far which it has I think the Carabao Cup has offered some lads a route into form and a route into the team which it hasn't done previously because we've been out of the competition stuff like that and it means lads are in rhythm so if you need him to drop in Harvey Ellis is the key, key yeah, one of West Ham was super yeah exactly but he's then when he's required in the Premier League whether it be 20 minutes here and there even from the start he's got footy under his belt he's not coming in cold because he's played last week in the Carabao Cup for example but yeah it can absolutely be a massive boost for the end of the season and I think this is a Liverpool squad now that's primed to do something very very special albeit ahead of schedule in my opinion I think anybody really expects who's schedule doing... fan schedule or cop schedule I think anybody's I'll be dead on it I, I can't imagine it in his wildest dreams Jürgen Klopp is a genius the best football manager I've seen in my lifetime at Liverpool I've said that a few times now but I'm not having that he would have got into the season given that the size and the scale of the rebuild he wouldn't have predicted what we're doing right now he lost a lot of players some of them key some of them not so key his captain his vice captain all that type of stuff those sort of intangibles that Ian Klopp holds so dearly at a football club Milner and the leadership group around that and all that sort of stuff he can't have envisaged the lads that come in would hit the ground running like they have done and some of the lads that have been here Harvey Elliott Curtis Jones would step up and sort of fill the voids as well it's been a joy to watch it really has and I think the Carabao Cup would just be the first step along the way to what's going to be a very successful season and future for this group you know what it also does it gives them a taste of what our fans what it what it feels like yeah, winning win. with our fans like parade. that First parade, but also, you know, you've you've parade talk in January. Yeah, you've, My uh, word, what is going on here? We were telling Arsenal fans to get stop getting carried away. There we are. Um, but you know, they've heard one kiss in a game where George just decided to put it on for feel good moods after we beat Newcastle. You'll get to see what it's like at a packed out Wembley if if you if you manage to win it. You get to see what it means, the fans, the atmosphere, and how we can strive you on how. Our fans go to the next level when you get into that business end of the season when you're winning stuff when you're going for things then you realise just how important and how unbelievable Anfield can be um, and that's what I look forward to the most I think like you mentioned there none of us fans inside that stadium have thought we'd we'd be where we are right now and I think whilst we have been there we've always thought well at some point City or Arsenal will show what why they're a, head, a, a step ahead of Liverpool um, in their kind of rebuild um, but it hasn't been like that and the longer it goes on the more we start to believe the more we start to um, really show how vocal we are and try and help the team more so yeah I can't wait for them to hopefully win something this season and hopefully it's more than just one thing yeah. um, 
and you just get to see what it means to win a, a, a trophy at Liverpool. Absolutely. Uh, DFB7 says no parade for the League Cup. No, of course. Oh, of course parade of four trophies, mate. Um, that's what we'll be doing at the end of this season. <laughs> no no, no parade for just the League Cup. like. Um, but we get to parade two Premier Leagues at the end of this season as well, <laughs> I think, don't we? So that'll be with it. Um, OK, on to the forward line then. Um, Josh, simple as does Jota start and where? If he does. Um... <sighs> I think he does, yeah. I think he does. I, I expect him to start against Arsenal, to be honest. I, mean, I was mm. quite surprised he didn't. I think, you know, we've, we've said about him needing minutes to spot on. So I think he starts. I think Gakpo starts for me, just because he, he only he barely got an hour, actually, against Arsenal. I think he come off on 58. So I think he starts. Nunes got the full 90, so I think Nunes might get a rest. Uh, Diaz got the full 90 as well, didn't he, but he was really good <laughs> and he so scored, was and he scored yeah but Diaz got the goals and that's so sometimes Klopp talks about keeping that momentum doesn't he so so he's the third one isn't it? what about you don't do that don't do that I think it's Jota Nunes Diaz with Diaz on the right now and he's just forced I'd me love to see that okay. but I think it'll be Jota Gakpo Diaz I, I think Elliot starts in midfield yeah. With Gravenberg. Gravenberg yeah. Yeah. and Jota are two. So basically, we had a 13 man senior squad, didn't we, at our disposal last night with the kids who did absolutely exceptionally filling in, by the way. I mean, the two that came on from the bench, Jota and Gravenberg, will definitely start this Fulham game 100%. Um, in terms of the front line, I'd probably be. I'd probably be Jota, Jota Gakpo, Diaz, I think. It's kind of what I'm leaning towards, but yeah, that third one's tricky though. So he's, he's Gavin Birch and everyone's midfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so McAllister instead of Jones. Harvey Elliott. And Harvey Elliott for me, who was in your. I think Elliott could play in the same spot though, you know, as he played against Arsenal on the right, on, on the right of the front line, but it didn't work that well, did it? Like to be fair, and something about not having pace in the front line if you're having a player who, who literally cannot threaten behind at all. And it's, well, what, it's what we needed to do against Arsenal because they pressed yeah. high up the pitch. But yeah. if we're going to have the ball, Elliot's got more opportunity to be a better player for no, us. We've seen that in the West Ham when, when we faced Fulham last, we were at the game, weren't we? Mm. And, and they do keep an unusually high line for like a for a team that are you know mid table and, and playing in Anfield and that. So you do get that space from behind if you want to use it, like. No, I just thought for the West Ham game, it was a game whereby we had a lion's share of possession, therefore, as you say, a more technically gifted right winger, which is what Harvey Elliott had described him as, in so much as he hasn't got the pace that Salah or Diaz or whoever else has when they play out there. So, yeah, I think if it's a game whereby Liverpool expect to dominate, I would be going, oh, fine with Elliott as a right winger, but I think you're right. If it's a game whereby we're going to need an out ball to get us out because that just wasn't working last night, we needed the pace of Nunes and Diaz to even give us a, a foothold in the game, essentially, then it can't be Harvey Elliott because it just doesn't work. But I think Elliott's a... Issue in to start the game is just where really. Mm, yeah. yeah, no, I think so. Uh, and if Van Dyke is not sick anymore, he goes back into yeah. the side with Canate and Kwanzaa to the bench. Yeah, probably. For, uh, I, I think Kwanzaa I think Kwanzaa will probably start. Yeah. Canate. Okay. All right, I like it. I think he was so good. By the way, you know, against Arsenal, like, he was brilliant, unbelievable. Better than Canate. I don't no. know if he's better than Canate, but, but just boss. for what he is, for what he's supposed to be, at least. Just so good, mate. If yeah. you were to rate Canate's performance last night out of 10, where ten. would you be? 10. Yeah, he was a monster. I wouldn't give him a 10, like. I gave 10s out. He's going, I'm not giving him a 10. Like, no, I can't give him a 10. Absolutely yeah. no chance of 10. Why? Why is it mental? It wasn't a 10. 
you know what? Think, thinking now, a ten centre half performance for Liverpool. There's really not many. You know, I'd get, I'd give Van Dijk a ten, Bayern Munich away. Yeah, I'd give Van Dijk a ten. No, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's, goal, that's goal and it. assist. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in that game, yeah, and he was just a defensive monster as well. Yeah. I think Champions League final against Spurs was also really, really good. But not a ten. Van Dijk. Also gets a ten. ten. He's a slag. Van Dijk also gets a ten. Um, Man City away when we lost two one. Funny enough, in that season, he was unbelievable in that game. Mm-hmm. Out of interest, how like how would you rate yourself at six out of ten, Dan? Wow, <laughs> that is not. Because you're, you're not giving tens out. You're not giving tens out. Definitely not a ten. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> I had a good question. Probably. Have we got one there? Why is he taking the ten? I'd say an eight. I'd say it room is. for improvement yeah. room for improvement yeah Where Will, willing trier butter, sh- butter shifting yeah yeah. not loads up and down the flank not loads of finesse not loads of finesse yeah. no. just blams it at the end yeah but, but Mickey Lambert Mickey Lambert up top for Liverpool <laughs> Mickey Lambert was below an eight mate no but in terms of the, you love being there because big red absolute dream come true scenario like yeah, that was his boiled club wasn't it yeah, made, up, there, yes, made up to be there so put a shift in but ultimately got the heart got the determination the technique didn't have the quality it wasn't good enough do it for a game or two but yeah, not yeah, for yeah. a season yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough I can't believe you had chance of that properly <laughs> as well that was brilliant uh, so there you go what better way to end the show than, than that Dan is a strong 8 out of 10 um, in the bed it was completely <laughs> wild it came from absolutely nowhere Fair play. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, three of us are off to do the uh, Bias Football podcast. Uh, go and follow the guys on Twitter at Distance Covered, at Chloe Bloxham and at Dan underscore club. Uh, Lions me Instagram, which is at TPJack82 over there. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, up the Reds, we're fighting on four fronts and we've got a chance to win all of them. Ta-ra. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.